Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. We are continuing our uh, individual NFL team previews, and we are making our third venture into the NFC West. We're talking about the Seattle Seahawks, a team who really excelled all expectations. Skyler, I, I do have a question. Do you have what all of our record predictions for Seattle was last year? Yes. Do you care to share it with the group? Yes, one second. Um, two and fifteen is what I said. Um, Brady said four and thirteen, and Mitch was the most optimistic of all of us at six and eleven. Six and eleven, and yet they exceeded all of those expectations. They went nine and eight, made the playoffs. Led by Geno Smith, who won uh, Comeback Player of the Year, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, You had two starting rookies at the tackle positions there um, in Charles – or not Charles Lucas. um, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, um, who stepped in for you. Um, You had uh, two great wide wide receivers and DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Um, but defense was a struggle there for them at times. Let's hop into what their season looked like. Week one at home, Russell Wilson's return to Denver. They pulled off a W before losing back to back to San Francisco and Atlanta, beat the Lions, lost to the Saints, and were two and three. They they at that point in the season, they proceeded to rattle off four straight wins. They beat the Cardinals, the Chargers the Giants and the Cardinals again they got to 6 and 3 before a loss to Tampa Bay they fell 6 and 4 went into their bye week lost in overtime to the Raiders and were 6 and 5 and it was at that point the team began what can only be described as a limp to the playoffs um they beat the Rams to get to 7 and 5 but then lost 3 in a row to Carolina, San Francisco and Kansas City before beating the Jets and Rams and requiring Detroit to beat Green Bay the last week of the season in order to make the playoffs. They did and lost 41 to 23 to rival San Francisco to go 0 and 3 against the Niners on the season. Geno Smith uh, played and started in all 17 games. He had a 69.8% completion percentage, 4,282 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The team was led in rushing. By uh, rookie Kenneth Walker, 228 carries, 1,050 yards, and nine touchdowns. They were led in uh, receptions, uh, yards by DK Metcalf, 90 catches, 1,048 yards. Tyler Lockett added 1,033 uh, catches and nine touchdowns to leave them in that category. Um, defensively, led in interceptions by uh, Tariq Woolen, another great. Uh, rookie for them. He finished the year with six. Quandre Diggs added another four. They were led in sacks by Uchenna Nwosu and Darrell Taylor at nine and a half each. So Mitch, looking at Seattle last year, you were the most optimistic of the three of us, but they exceeded almost everybody's expectations. What were your thoughts on Seattle in 2022? Yeah, I had them at six and 11. They did three games better. Uh, you know, before just going into everything, uh, we got to give a massive shout out to uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider because, you know, the past couple of years when Russell Wilson was the quarterback, you know, it didn't look that great with Pete Carroll and John Schneider had some very questionable drafts that I think if he didn't have two Super Bowl appearances and one win, 
probably would have been fired. So that's a massive shout out to them for uh, able to, to turn it all around. You know, obviously the resurgence of Geno Smith was awesome to watch. He was definitely deserving the comeback of the year award, you know, uh, and, you know, had a sem- almost a 70% completion percentage over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. That's fucking insane. Um, you know, it was there, like you said, the running, or not the running back, the rookie class really stepped up for them. Uh, you know, guys like Kenneth Walker over a thousand yards, which is, which is awesome to see, but it kind of hurt that like, besides him, they really didn't have anybody, anybody, you know, Rashad Penny, you know, their first round running back only played in five games and it only had not even 350 yards. And besides him, I think Geno Smith was their second leading rusher. So besides Kenneth Walker, the run game was not thing to be seen of. Um, even though the defense was probably the weakest part of this team and what led to their downfall in the playoffs, I think there's a there's still a ton of uh, bright spots going into this season. Um, like you said, Terry Quillen was who I think was just as good as Sauce Gardner last year, had an amazing year. Jordan Brooks, who we've given him you know some shit on for the drafting and his uh, playing ability, had 161 tackles last year. Um, so you know, he's finally stepping up and proving to be that guy. Uh, Uchenna Nawalsu, who they picked up in the offseason, almost had 10 sacks. Uh, so even though the the defense still definitely needed some work and wasn't, you know, comparable to what they had in the past in those Super Bowl years, I think there's a lot of bright spots to build upon going into the season. Yeah, maybe, you know, like Brady said, I think we all need to eat crow on kind of what we um, expected of this team last year. Um, They played surprisingly well, Um, and a lot of that goes towards, uh, I think the the thing a lot of us uh, weren't expecting was how well this offense played. Um, They were ninth in uh, points. They were 13th. in yards and in terms of like what we were expecting of them they they played really really well um the the thing thing if they um and a lot of that credit does go to Geno Smith I mean he he uh completed over oh about 70 percent of his passes threw for over 4,000 yards had about three to one touchdown to interception ratio um like he was spreading the ball very very well and this is a guy that got sacked 46 times last year, too. So, like, it wasn't even the fact that, like, he's playing well because his offensive line was protecting him. No, he was still taking a beating um, back there. And Geno Smith is by no means a young quarterback um, at 32, and but will be a 33-year-old quarterback this next year. Um, but he they, they, they played well enough to um, give him a lot of – that, that to help him and I think a lot of that can go to you know the play of DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett both a thousand yards um both had over 80 catches um were very successful a uh, Tyler Lockett with nine touchdowns was was really good uh Noah Fa- Noah Fant played kind of to what a level that we kind of been expecting to him to kind of get at that year uh over his last couple of years again hiccups what's going on uh, 50 catches, uh, 486 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, I think is one of his better performances as a pro so far in his career. Um, he can still reach another level. 
But I mean, the fact that you had, you know, three tight ends, all who had over 25 catches, all had over 300 yards. Um, they were able to spread their wealth. You know, Kenneth Walker played great in um, his 15 games that he was out there over a thousand yards rushing um, and wasn't, I mean, had not the best impact at the wide receiver at the wide receiver level, um, but still played good. They were able to get good production out of Marquise Goodwin too, uh, uh, who, you know, is an older wide receiver. But I mean, we just talked about, um, we just talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for them, it was a lot of production that like they, they had lost production from players that we were expecting production from here. We got production from players. We didn't think we're going to do anything. Um, you know, Rashad Penny went out in the first five games, but, but after the first five games, but he had 346 yards in those five games, like rushing. Um, he, he did well there. Um, you had, but there was, so like there, there were guys. And then again, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were able to perform well with a, with a quarterback. None of us were thinking was going to do uh, Geno Smith even was, had some good uh, yards um, running the ball with 366 yards. Like, like they played well and on offense. And I think that was the most surprising thing for this team. Something that I don't think any of us really expected that they were going to do. Um the other thing, the thing I will say though, is their defense played with like seeing Tariq Woolen, who played really well. Um, Michael Jackson on the other side also played pretty well. You had Cody Barton, who they did lose, but I mean the guy had a career high in tackles um this last year. But the thing the thing that um I think really kind of helped them cover up for how well the defense didn't play like great in terms of like points for and points against like they um like looking at it they the score the team scored 407 points together they allowed 401 points so it's like really there and i think that kind of covers up this defense not having played the best is the fact that they got to the quarterback a lot they had two quarter two players with over nine and a half sacks sacks in uchina nuozu and darrell taylor um, Quinton Jefferson added four and a half, five and a half. Bruce Irvin had a three and a half. Boy, uh, Boy Mafe, yeah, um, had three. Puna Ford had three. Um, they had a lot of, a lot of um, good production in terms of getting to the quarterback, and that made up for the fact that they were still letting up a lot of points and they were still letting up a lot of yards. Um, they were able to, you know, force some turnovers in terms of for like um forcing fumbles i mean kobe bryant and Darrell taylor by themselves had four forced fumbles um they were able to get interceptions i mean uh tariq woolen and quandre Diggs had you know six and four respectively like they were able to turn the ball over and get to the quarterback so it made up for some of those things and that's exactly what a defense like those bend but don't break defenses are supposed to do um and so but that that's still kind of a concern for me is that defense is how well does that play I mean the offense played surprisingly well but the defense didn't play as well as we needed it to and a lot of that can be to the fact that you know you lost your leader on at at linebacker um coming in he play caller a guy that's going to be that knew that defense back and forth um was kind of the last bastion of those um uh, Legion of Boom defenses, which again, he didn't play in the back end, but he was still a, a key part of it. Bruce Irvin was the only guy from that team that was still here playing quality minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see in this offseason and in this uh, draft how they address that defense and how do they move forward with that? Because if they can get that defense up to par and play well, 
then this is a team that's, you know, competing for more than just a wild card spot. This is a team that's competing in the NFC West that all of a sudden is not as good as as, as it used to be. Um, this is a team that that can that can make some noise um, if they if their offense returns to form. That is. Yeah, I mean, Seattle's a little bit of a conundrum because there's always there's always um, the case of the seven seeds so far, right? You look at when Chicago was a seven seed a couple of years ago, really didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, but somebody had to go. Um, looked awful against the Saints and followed up subsequent seasons to being terrible, right? And then you look at the year uh, before this last season. And you say Philadelphia was a seven seed, lost to Tampa Bay in tough fashion, turns around, makes it all the way to the Super Bowl the next year. What type of seven seed is Seattle going to be? Well, there's parts of this team that were were really good, right? They forced a ton of turnovers, both interceptions and fumbles. They had a decent amount of sacks. Their defense was pretty good against the pass. Um, and, and offensively, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett played great. Geno Smith had his best year as a starter. Um, and you got quality minutes and production out of so many draft picks. You know, so many of the guys that Skyler and Mitch have listed off this so far this episode, all rookies, right? Kobe Bryant, um, Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, um, Tariq Woolen, uh, the, the, like so many others. The list goes on and on and on. They had a ton of draft picks from the Russell Wilson trade and followed it up by having a, a really good nine and eight season. Now, here's. Here's where it gets mixy. Seattle, uh, 0-7 against anybody uh, from the AFC West and the San Francisco 49ers last year. 9-2 and against the rest of the league, right? When you take out their, their – when you look at their season, that four-game winning stretch in the middle to get from 2-3 and three into 6-3 and three really was the thing that got everybody's attention. But, guys, they, they two of those wins were against New Orleans, or against against Arizona, I'm sorry. Um, a terrible, terrible football team. Quick question, Brady. You said they went 0-5 against the AFC West and San Francisco. They went 0-7 against the AFC West and San Francisco. That's not true because they beat Denver and they beat Los Angeles, the Chargers, and they the only No, I'm just... sorry, I'm sorry. The NFC South and I'm sorry, I was getting divisions mixed up. They went 0-7 against the a- the NFC South and the San Francisco 49ers last year and right. were 9-2 against the rest of the league. 2-4 and four against teams who made the playoffs. Um, some tough losses that they shouldn't have lost. You look at the game against the Raiders. You look at the game against Tampa Bay. You, you look at the loss to San Francisco week two was Trey Lance at quarterback. It wasn't even the dominant. Christian McCaffrey wasn't there. Brock Purdy hadn't showed up. Like, They got dominated by San Francisco every time they played him. A bad loss to a Carolina team that shouldn't have beat them. Like, the list kind of goes on here. And then the playoff performance was poor on the defensive side of the ball. Listen, this was a defense that I think did improve in a lot of ways, but was still really bad against the run. And so far is hanging their hats on forcing turnovers. Now, this can go one of two ways. If your defense overall improves, if you've brought in solid talent, if your coaching has improved, then you may see your turnover numbers go down, but every other statistical category defensively should increase, right? But if your defense doesn't improve, 
if it was a fluke that you were getting these turnovers because teams were testing Tariq Woolen, because teams were so successful against running the ball that the limited amount of passing opportunities um, that they did have that you were converting, if that stuff isn't happening, right, then you're going to see your turnover numbers go down and your overall placement as defenses go down further, right? This was a middling defense in the best case scenario that hung their hats on forcing turnovers. I'm curious to see if this is a case of like actual talent. If this is a case of like, we're going to see these guys um, grow and get better and use, use these opportunities. Or if it was just that this was a defense that had so many question marks that offenses sort of fooled themselves into being good against right now, don't get me wrong. Offenses were still good against them overall. Skyler went over points per game and stuff like that, but this, yeah, even the strengths of Seattle last year had problems. We look at Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Great. The team still gave up 46 sacks last year. Your interior offensive line last year was terrible. You have spent how many draft picks on second round running backs and you can't seem to get a full season out of any of them. Like there's, there is problems in Seattle, but they exceeded our expectations and had so much future draft capital that they can continue to build. With that being said, let's take a look at some of their gains and losses. Skyler brought up big Bobby Wagner, one of their biggest losses last year. Well, guess what? He's back in town for the Seahawks there. Um, the Seahawks did lose some key players we've talked about. Shelby Harris, Puna Ford, um, LJ Collier, uh, to name a few. But they did also go out and make some signings. They brought in Draymond Jones from Denver, the defensive lineman, Julian Love, the safety from the Giants, uh, Jaron Reed, who uh, was with Seattle, went to Green Bay. He's now back in Seattle, um, just to name a couple, as well as signing um, Devin Bush from the Steelers there, um, just to name a few. So, Mitch, looking at the uh, free agent gains and losses, what stands out to you for the Seahawks? I think what really stands out to me is when you look at the losses, I don't really think they really lost anything. So you lose Rashad Penny and LJ Collier, you know, guys who are first on bus for them. And then, you know, it's mostly just the uh, defensive linemen who were been okay. Um, and more depth pieces outside of a guy like Shelby Harris. Um, well, I think they added a lot, you know, bringing in a guy like Draymond Jones, who broke out for uh Denver last year, 47 tackles, six and a half sacks, 16 pressures, and a forced fumble. I think he's going to do a great job on that defensive line. And to add that with the Jerron Reed, who I think got more back into form uh, during Green Bay. So there's a huge two defensive uh, linemen uh, additions who I think will offset any of the guys that they lost. Uh, Julian Love, I think, is a very underrated pickup for them. He had 124 tackles, two picks, and five pass breakups last year. And I think with getting a guy like that, not only is he going to be great, um, but I think it allows you to upgrade more with the defense. So with having Julian Love as a safety there, I think you can put Jamal Adams, uh, if he's you know healthy, uh, when he comes back, uh, more towards the line of scrimmage where we know that's where he makes his bones and where he gets paid for, not being a traditional safety role like Julian Love, I think, could do. So I feel like that you know, upgrades the defense in multiple ways. And then obviously bringing in a guy like Bobby Wagner, who showed that he still has some uh, juice in him after the season that he had with the Rams, pairing him with a 
a guy like Jordan Brooks is coming off a uh, career season for him could, you know, bring this defense back to respectability. Scott, what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, so for the free agency, um, this one, yeah, getting Bobby Wagner back is huge. Because again, it's a guy that's familiar with the system, a guy that's called those plays before, and he was healthy in Los Angeles, still played a ton of snaps at 32, so he can come back and, and still be productive and well for Seattle, hopefully. Um, Julian Love, I think getting him in the back end for that safety position is going to be great. I liked him at the Giants, and I think he's kind of been an untapped potential getting Gerard Reed from the Packers, getting him in at the interior defensive line, Evan Brown for the center. Um, like I, I like that they, they they brought a lot of attention to that interior defensive line because I realized that people were able to run on them really well. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Didn't have time to mute. Um, oh, sorry, guys. Uh, but you also, some of those losses, losing Puna Ford, losing Quentin Jefferson, losing Jonathan Abram, all who went to different teams are going to be big. We talked about Puna Ford not only as um, interior defensive lineman and Shelby Harris um, as interior defensive lineman, but he was also getting to the quarterback, which is huge. Um, so you have to try to get a lot of that in, a lot of that replaced. I mean, most of your interior offensive linemen are gone. So I'm glad that they they took some measures to try to replace that i like that they brought in evan brown to kind of work in that center position but in terms of losses a lot there's a not a lot of they didn't we're getting a lot of snaps but it was a lot of depth that they lost i mean you lost uh bruce Irvin, who who finally is gone and i mean that's i mean that's a, a legend he was your super bowl mvp for like a fun trivia fact yeah the super bowl mvp was not russell wilson or any of those offensive players it was bruce Irvin in that super bowl win against the denver broncos was it malcolm smith though it was malcolm smith it was Malcolm Smith. I thought it was Bruce. It was Malcolm Smith. No, it was Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith. Because so he lied. had he had mind. to he had to pick six. Okay, yeah. never mind. There and I think my, he also that. recovered the something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was just he was he was doing good. Okay, yeah. So never mind. There goes my fun fact. Um, but you lost Outwoods. You lost Rashad Penny and Travis Homer as running backs. Um, you lost uh, Marquise Goodwin, who went to the Browns. Like a lot of depth left this team in free agency um and so that's going to be something that they're going to have to uh make up for but in terms of like who they brought getting bobby wagner and devin bush to come in at linebacker i think is going to be is another thing where it's that shores up that linebacker position for them a little bit better hopefully helps in the run game um but the, the amount of depth that they've lost is just a little concerning for me yeah you know i i think that losing depth like that is is concerning it can be tough but when you're a team that has again you know multiple first round picks that we're going to talk about multiple second round picks that we're going to talk about huge amount of draft capital to use i don't have as much of a worry about a team losing depth like that if they're addressing it correctly now i think that you lost cody barton i think a really solid young linebacker but you brought in bobby wagner and devin bush that's a plus that's a win from it your defensive line, I don't know. I think net, it's like it's I don't think it's a net positive or a net negative, in all honesty. Um Draymond Jones has a hard time staying on the field. Jerron Reed, um, I I don't think he was as fantastic with the Packers uh this last year, and I don't think that he was any sort of star with Seattle when he was there. 
Um, I think losing some of those secondary pieces, you know, Ryan Neal and Jonathan Abram, two guys who played 50 plus percent of snaps at safety for you last year, big. Um, but all in all, I think it's a positive offseason. I think the big one was the big question mark for me is obviously Geno Smith. They re-signed him. They're going to be paying him $25 million next year. And what that means when you start to look at like cap space in the upcoming years, Seattle is like bottom of the league in terms of being in the black. This is a team that they're not in the negative, but they're having a hard time. They're going to have a hard time going in and really re-signing people to these monster contracts um, or to these super beneficial contracts for them as they're going to have some tough decisions to make over the next couple of years. Now, um, yeah, I just I, I think they lost a lot of production. They lost a lot of depth. I think they addressed it in some key places. But I, on the defensive side of the ball, it still felt like a little slap jobby. Um, and, it, and on the offensive side of the ball, I just look through all of these signings and I don't see anybody who's helping your interior offensive line, right? You've put so much, you put so much on your two tackles, your two young tackles, but I don't see a ton of offensive line depth here to be super excited about. I don't see a ton of potential to, to be able to keep your quarterback up. And for a 33 year old quarterback, who's got a a pretty big deal, um, uh, there in Seattle, it's going to be really important to keep him healthy and and to keep some of those running backs that you've continued to draft in the second round. Kenneth Walker, a guy we'll talk about a little bit, Zach Charbonnet. In order to keep those guys up, you need to you need to have a better interior offensive line. I mean, who was the Seattle halfback that like uh, retired before the season started last year? Was that a um, uh, who was that? Give me a second. Give me like five seconds. You know who I'm talking about, though? He, like, broke his neck. Like, just kept getting injured. Oh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Alex Collins? Shibuya. No, Alex... No, unfortunately, Alex Collins, RIP, passed away uh, away recently. recently. Um, But let's talk about uh, Seattle's draft compensation here. Huge draft date for Seattle. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks, and a sixth and a seventh round pick. With the fifth overall pick in the draft, they went back to the cornerback room and took Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. With the 20th overall pick, the rich got richer at wide receiver, taking Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. With their early second round pick from Denver, they took Derek Hall, the edge rusher out of Auburn. Uh, With their second round pick, they took Zach Charbonnet, halfback out of UCLA. In the fourth round, they took Anthony Bradford, offensive lineman from LSU, and Cameron Young, defensive lineman from Mississippi State. In the fifth round, they took Mike Morris, edge rusher from Michigan, and Ola Sagoon, Ola Watimi, uh, center out of Michigan as well. In the sixth round, Jarek Reed, the second, safety out of New Mexico, go Lobos. Um, and in the seventh round, they took Kenny McIntosh, running back out of Georgia. So it it's not going to be a Seattle Seahawks draft uh, without taking – uh, running back in the second round, and they double dipped at halfback. But uh, two first round picks, two second round picks. Mitch, how do you grade Seattle's draft? I think this is my first uh, A plus for the season. Um, I really love what they did. Obviously, getting a guy like uh, Devin Witherspoon to come in uh, to pair with you know Tory Wilson and uh, 
Kobe Bryant, I think, gives them a nice uh, trio to going forward for the next how many years. Jackson Smith and Jigba to complete that trio of wide receivers that they have. A lot of weapons for Geno Smith now. Um, but like two uh, guys who I really like, who are you know aren't the headliners of the class. Uh, Derek Hall from Auburn, sixty tackles, eleven and a half for a loss, six and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles at Auburn last year. I feel like he's in a great position to, uh, you know, he's going to be a depthy rotational just to start, but I feel like he could be a really good uh, edge rusher for him, uh, for them. And then uh, the center out of uh, Penn State, Oluwatimi, didn't never give up a sack. Oh, yeah, sorry. I got him confused. Uh, Yeah, Michigan. uh, Didn't give up a sack while at Michigan and won the Remington and Outland Trophy. Um, I know that Evan Brown right now is the projected uh, starter at center, but it wouldn't be surprised to see uh, this kid uh, be the starter sooner than later for what he's able to do. Um, and at first I was a little bit, uh, wasn't a fan of them doubling up on running backs, but given the production that uh, we kind of saw last year outside of uh, Kenneth Walker and with Kenneth Walker having some injury issues uh his first couple of seasons, it makes sense. Um, and we know that Seattle uh, recently has liked to go with the running back, uh, uh, you know, group and working as a tandem instead of having a workhorse like a Marshawn Lynch. So I think that's great um, for them to pick up, especially those two guys in Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh who can do different things. And uh, for the rest of the class, I think they give them great depth. So this is going to be my first A+. Plus. If I'm not mistaken, Zach Charbonnet was at Michigan before he went to UCLA, right? Correct. So they took three former Wolverines in this draft. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, Skyler, what's your grade? Yes, I'm. I'm not as as sold on this one. Um, I went B minus. Um, I do like their first two picks. Their first two picks are great. Uh, giving getting Devin Witherspoon, who was considered one of the one of the top defensive backs between him and Zach Gonzalez or him and Gonzalez really. Um and then, you know, no one thought he'd be there, but getting Jackson Smith and Jigba at, at 20 was great also. Um yeah. I mean and and of that like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba, he was considered like the better wide receiver, the best wide receiver of the three. So I think that they did really, really well there. Um, Derek Hall from Auburn, I think, can can become a very good um, pass rusher for them, but he needs to work on his run defense. Um, like he, it was, it was a liability for him when he was at Auburn. Um, I think Charbonnet is great. I think he can come in and do good things, but I also don't know how I feel about him. You double downing between him and Kenny McIntosh when you know that, like, and Mitch made a good point about like they're needing the depth there because of, you know, the attrition that they've had at the running back position over the last couple of years. So you need that. But also, like, I think Charbonnet could have been a good running back somewhere else. Like, like, I think that you're kind of wasting some of the talent there because Kenneth Walker is going to be taking a majority of the snaps. And so it's an insurance policy, sure. But I don't know. I think that you could have used that for some maybe shoring up the offensive line. Anyways, I'm just going into other stuff. Um, Bradford, I think, is good, but his run blocking is atrocious, and he needs to work on it, especially when you're talking about how they want to use the run game in this in this team. Um, and that's just kind of my gripe with a lot of this class. It's not that 
these guys aren't good. It's just a lot of them are good at one thing. They're good at really one thing really well, and then their other stuff is not great. And normally, I wouldn't hold that against a class um, because you would have that time to train and develop and be able to work to become more well-rounded as a professional or at least be able to hide some of those things. But because they lost so much depth um, in free agency, some of these guys are going to probably be called up sooner than we'd like them to be. Um and like there are still great, there are still great players in this draft that are going to be contributing really well. I really, really like Reed from New Mexico. I think that he can play really well in the slot or at the safety. I think he was one of the most consistent um players at that position. Um I think and he and he can play he can be great in the special teams arena too. But I just think because list both between you know the loss of depth and just kind of how one trick pony a lot of these players especially in that third and fourth round are then that leads me to go into a b minus where there's a lot of potential to this class and a lot of them can do well but if they're thrown in and having to play key minutes in this because of the depth and if they get injuries then that's going to be rough um and and could hurt this team in the long run yeah i mean Call me an undecided voter, gentlemen. I'm splitting the difference between the two of you. I go like a B plus. Like, I I think this this draft has some real potential to it, right? Devon Witherspoon, I think, is great. My problem now is your secondary room almost looks too crowded, right? You have your corner room is okay, but your starting safeties are Jamal Adams and um, Quadre Diggs. You drafted Kobe Bryant, who I thought had a really good season, but he's buried on the depth chart right now because you signed Julian Love. So double down, going back into the secondary, that, like, with the fifth overall pick, do I, I think they got a great guy in Devon Witherspoon, don't get me wrong, but with the fifth overall pick and then going back with it in a later pick, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. My big knock on this draft is that, like, I don't see any linebacker depths in terms of, like, interior linebacker and i don't see any defensive line depth like this is a team that when you look at who their number twos are on defense that is a whole lot of nobodies and if you pull up the espn depth chart a lot of those nobodies have that little q questionable next to them right now because this is not it's just not a very awe-inspiring defense i mean i really would have liked to see this team go a lot harder on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the zach charbonnet pick this is the one that i have a huge gripe with I would have given this draft closer to like an A plus if they had drafted like Joe Tippmann or John Michael Schmitz instead of Zach Charbonnet. Um, I I I would have been fine with them taking Mac- McIntosh in a later round. Um, that's fine. I think uh, uh, Olu Olu was one of my favorite centers in this draft. I was so surprised he fell to sixth, but I I think he desperately needs. Um, I think he desperately needs to develop in the NFL. And if you want proof of that, I'd say go and watch him anytime you lined up against Steelers second round pick Keanu Benton in the games that him and Benton went back and forth on. Right. The same, the same thing as uh, uh, who was um, who's the Ravens center Linderbaum, the guy from Iowa, same, same thing. Like we watch week in and week out as, or not week in and week out, but every time that they go up against a really high quality defensive tackle, they get their ass kind of handed to them a little bit. Now, 
statistically didn't always show, but I, th- I think Olawatimi has the potential to be a starter, has the potential to be a very good player. He's going to need to grow. Um, I don't like you not addressing either of the guard positions, really. Um, and on top of that, when you look at your depth at the tackle position, it's bad. I mean, listen, the Rich got richer with Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, but it, I, there's so many other positions on this team that I would have liked to see them go with these drafts. Now, to the positive. Um, I think the guys they drafted are all really fa- are almost all really fantastic players. And I think that they will have the ability um, to, I think a lot of these guys will have the ability to make immediate in-game impacts for Seattle. Um, Witherspoon, I think, was the most pro-ready corner. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was a guy that I was so mad Green Bay didn't draft, but I, I understand in hindsight here, I think his ability to learn from both uh, Tyler Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf is massive. Um, uh, Oluwatimi, I, I really like Kenny McIntosh, I think is, is fantastic. Zach Charbonnet, I think can actually make his name in the NFL playing special teams, kick returner, punt returner, something along those lines. He's a great quick back. I just don't, I don't know if I'd have taken him with the 52nd overall pick in the draft. Like there's just, I would have liked to see the team draft a tight end. I would have liked to see the team go defensive line or interior offensive line a couple more times. I think that, I think that with your top three picks, you did really well. With the rest of your picks, it's going to depend on how well Seattle can can develop them. Um, so, with that being said, let's look at Seattle's schedule. They're going to kick the season off at home against the LA Rams before going to Detroit, back home against Carolina, at the Giants before a week five bye. They come out of that bye with a tough game on the road at Cincinnati, back home against Arizona and Cleveland before traveling to Baltimore, back home against Washington before an individual road game against the Rams, home against San Francisco at Dallas, and then at San Francisco, back home against Philadelphia, at Tennessee, home against Pittsburgh, and close the season against Arizona. Mitch, 9-8 and eight last year, 9-9 nine and nine with the playoff loss. Geno Smith, for sure, for certain, your number one guy. What do you think Seattle's going to do in 2023? I think they're going to be even better this season. I've been going 13 and four and being the second season, the NFC. Um, when, you know, I think they did a lot to address some of the uh, concerns with the team last year, um, especially on the defense. I feel like the defensive line is better. I liked what they did with the secondary. Uh, it's, it feels very complete looking at the corner and safety position. The uh, linebacker room's a lot better. And, um, and I think that some of these young rushers will take a step forward, like a Daryl Taylor, a Boye Mafe, and so on and so forth. So I feel like the defense will get better. Uh, we don't really talk about it a lot because it is what it is, but like special teams, they have one of the better units between Jason Myers and Michael Dixon. So that's always good to lean on. And with the offense, there's a lot of potential here. You know, Geno Smith showed what he can do in this system. Uh, Kenneth Walker now, buoyed by Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh makes me feel a little bit better for if he has an injury, there's some guys you can lie on to get you some production. Uh, just the insane monster trio that you have at the wide receiver position. Um, Noah Fant, I think after, you know, he didn't have a great first year in this system, but I feel like now that he has the experience, he could take a step forward and give you some more, more production at the tight end position. And it's the same can be said about their two young tackles and Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. You know, now they're second-year players. Hopefully they can take that uh, second step forward and get even better. So I really like this team uh, going forward, especially with them 
uh, being in a weaker division, you know, it helps that they get to play the Rams and the Cardinals four times, you know, this year. So it's an easy way to chalk up some wins. And with the, the 49ers having some uh, questions, I feel like they can definitely split that series. And there's a ton of winnable games for them uh, with their schedule. So second seed, 13 and four. Mitch has made a history of predicting Seattle to go 13 yeah, wins. Is, this, yeah, this is Mitch, Mitch. Seattle is Mitch's like Cincinnati or like, uh, yeah, like it's Cincinnati for me at least. Um, I get that. Skyler, how do you think they're going to do in 2023? I think they're going to do about the same. I think they're going to go nine and eight and get the seven seed. Um, cut you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because part of me is a lot of what they did last season was just so dependent on some things that are hard to recreate, um, especially in terms of their defense was not good. I don't think we can call their defense good last year. And Brady brought up some good points in that, okay, now that they know what, you know, Condre Diggs and Kobe Bryant and, you know, Tariq Woolen are like, are they going to be targeting them as much? Are they going to be running the ball more? Are they going like how are offenses going to approach specifically some of the offenses with even in their division, like Los Angeles and um, San Francisco are run by two very, very good offensive minded head coaches. And I'm sure that they'll scheme something to be able to work with them. I totally agree with Mitch said what, what Mitch said though about them in division. They could easily go four and two or five and one in this division um, based off of, you know, how weak it is. And, and, you know, some of the problems that are happening in San Francisco. Um, but in order for them to get to the to that level that Mitch has, they, they would need to be creating just as many turnovers, getting just as many sacks, and improving on defense while staying the same on offense. And I don't know if that's possible. That's just, that's just too much for me. I think that on offense, they probably will improve a little bit. I don't think that they're going to be having 46 sacks this year. I think that their offensive line is going to hold up a lot better. I think that their their running game should be better this year, you know, with um, uh, Walker having uh, – Kenneth Walker having a full season, hopefully, under his belt. I think that will definitely uh, help him. Um, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be great in the slot. Um, but is Geno Smith going to be able to replicate what he did last season? Um that that's I mean that's a question because again as of right now his season last year is an outlier in his career yeah and so and so he needs to recreate that can he do that um and then their depth is just it's too much of a concern for me on that offensive line it's a concern on the defense at almost every position it's a concern um I'd say except for secondary except for secondary yeah no it's almost too good at secondary there's too many good players in their secondary but a lot of it relies a lot of what they have relies on them recreating um some things last year and then getting better. And I can't in good faith say that. I still think this will be a good team. I still think that they're gonna win games. I think that their their um their schedule helps and is 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 favorable to them. And I think nine and eight is completely and totally realistic. They make the playoffs. Um, and if they improve, I can see how they could get to Mitch's position, but I still think San Francisco is the better team in this division right now, even with all of their problems. Okay. Um, I have them going eight and nine. Um, I think that they have a crazy schedule here and follow, follow, follow through with me. I think that they're seven and three 
at one point in this season. And then they lose six consecutive games. When I look at that stretch. Okay, wait, 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 one sec. One sec. Before you go on this, I'd like to point out in the history of this podcast, we've had some crazy, crazy stretches. At one point, I believe Mitch predicted that uh, the Colts were going to lose eight games in a row. I think it was yeah eight or nine something like that. Yeah, I eight. once predicted I once predicted that Las Vegas would win eight games in a row. Yes, we were both wrong. Brady, give us your case. But this isn't eight games. This is only six. I think that this stretch of San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Tennessee, Pittsburgh—that's a brutal schedule. That is a brutal stretch, right? For a team that went two and four against playoff teams last year to play four consecutive games against teams who either were in the playoffs last year, made the NFC Championship game, or went to the Super Bowl is insane. Tennessee, for a team that's so bad against the rush to go up against Derrick Henry, crazy. And Pittsburgh, I've talked about Pittsburgh. I think that they're I think that they're a lot better of a team, all in all. I think that Seattle has another sort of in-season meltdown a little bit. Like it's a pretty beneficial early start to the season if the rush defense holds up. But Last year, they got four of their nine wins against the likes of Colt McCoy, Trace McSurley, John Wolford, and Baker Mayfield. Right now, they're starting the season off against Matt Stafford. You know, right now, if if everything holds and, and Arizona, let's say, brings Kyler Murray back, he's in for that final game of the year. Um, games against Cincinnati, against the Detroit team that's supposed to be better, against a Giants team that just added Darren Waller, against a Cleveland team that's going to have uh, Deshaun Watson playing for a full season and Nick Chubb. There's a lot of halfbacks on this list that I think are going to have a field day. And I think that all the things Skyler said about getting bit in the ass come back and bite him in the ass. I think that depth on the offensive line is bad and you gave up 46 sacks last year. Statistically, defensively last year, you were 26th in yards allowed. You were 23rd in first downs allowed. You were 30th in rushing yards allowed, 27th in rushing touchdowns, 26th in rushing yards per attempt. You were 25th in average time of drive, 25th in average play of drive, 22nd in yards, 24th in points. All of those numbers, in my opinion, would have to jump about 10 spots up for Seattle to get to the level that Mitch has them at. And I just don't think that's the case. I think that this is a team that is did not make any improvement against the rush, uh, hoping to stop the run. It's almost like watching the Green Bay Packers for like a couple of years there, where it's like everybody knows that their problem is stopping the run, and yet Green Bay doesn't really do anything to, you know, address it. Um, or what they do are these like super temporary, might be good, could be bad type moves um, that they pull. But but yeah, this is this. I think this is a sneaky tough schedule for Seattle. I think that there's a ton of these real large travels that they have to make. I mean, you go to the giant from uh, from Car- uh, home against Carolina, cross country against the Giants on a Monday nighter, come back home for a bye week, and then got to go cross country again for Cincinnati. Um, you're home against Cleveland, only to go back across the nation against Baltimore just to fly back home to play Washington the next week. Um, and then at Tennessee, home against Pittsburgh, back down to Arizona, where they've struggled. Uh, you know, they them and Arizona have typically split the series for each of the last couple of years. This was a team that was four and two in division last year, and those four wins came against bad quarterbacks. This was a team that couldn't find a way to beat the NFC South last year, and the NFC South was a terrible division. It's it. 
it's hard for me to believe that without addressing the offensive line in what I think is an adequate way that Geno Smith is going to be as good as he was last year. And if Geno Smith goes down, how many wins is, how many games is Drew Locke going to win for you? You know, like let's, I, I, let's be honest. I think they go eight, and nine, and I actually think Seattle misses the playoffs in, uh, in 2023. One of us will be right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see like how to, it works out. I do like to say how in the past two episodes, a lot of what Brady's been saying when we've been making these fixes, I'll split the difference. I, yes. I'll, I'll be the middle. And then on this take, he just goes, he just, he misses the middle. He goes completely to left field. Um, and you know what? I feel like that's where he belongs. <laughs> Put me in coach. Um, no, yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not supposed to be the, mo- the, 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 the moderator. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to be making the wild takes. Brady. I'm supposed to be making the wild takes. Well, let's proceed with wild takes here. Now, Mitch, you may have already shared yours with having Seattle not only win the division, but take the number two seat overall. What's your, is that your big prediction for Seattle? Or you got another one. No, I'm stacking it, man. I say that DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigga and Jigba will be the first thousand yard trio since Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolton, and Steve Preston did it in 2008. That's insane. That it's doable. It's definitely doable. Especially because because we've done the math before in with a 17 game season, a thousand yards is nothing. You know, it comes out yeah. to like sub it's like sub 60 yards per game which is not crazy yeah when you look and when you look at the roster who's really gonna uh you know threaten the kind of production and the catches that these guys are gonna have like Noah Fant still needs to get there the wide receivers behind them is like Kay Johnson Cody Thompson Jake Bobo like those aren't those hey, guys aren't gonna respect threaten. on Jake Bobo's name they're, they're, not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna threaten those guys and Will Disley another tight end that uh, hasn't been able to stay healthy so I just feel like with the you know, the depth being as it is, they definitely can get those numbers, especially if Geno Smith uh, has another good season. Listen, if there's a core tenant of this podcast, it's that Bobo can ball, damn it. Um, (laughs) Skyler, what about you? What's your prediction? What's your big prediction Uh, for Seattle? Kind of in the same vein, I will say, I think it would be interesting because I would have said that Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and... um, T Higgins. T Higgins would have done that. And so I th- I still hold true to that, but it might just be that they do it week 15 and Seattle does it week like 17, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'll say that G uh that Jackson Smith in Jigba leads rookies and plays over 20, 20 yards, 20 plus yards. So he might not oh, lead. leads rookie wide receivers in in just plays rookie, over- no leads rookies. So running backs, court like quarterbacks, wide receivers, 20 plus yards. Gotcha. I think he can do it um, because I'm not going to say he's going to lead in receiving or he's going to lead in touchdowns or any of that because I'm not that confident of that. But I do think that he can lead in terms of, you know, big plays because the guy's just built for it. Um, I My big prediction, uh, this is GM John Schneider's last year with Seattle. I think that if the season goes the way that I think it will, um, I think that he'll kind of be shown as walking papers because you know Mitch brought up a point earlier in the episode I think the guy would have been fired a while ago if he didn't have a Super Bowl ring on his belt and another appearance but that appearance at this point was uh what Super Bowl was that 50 40, four, uh they won 48 and lost 49. 49 so at that point 
your last Super Bowl appearance was six years ago, which I think was coincidentally the last time you played the NFC Championship game. You've watched uh, an indi- you've watched two in-division rivals in Los Angeles and San Francisco both go to the Super Bowl since then, and one of your division rivals win a Super Bowl. You got a steal for Russell Wilson. There's no doubt about that. But this was after you had paid an arm and a leg to bring in Jamal Adams. Um, I, I just I think that there's some there's been some really questionable moves, and if if Seattle doesn't perform as well as expected as well as a lot of people think that they might i i think he could be shown the door i don't know if pete carroll will follow i don't know if pete carroll like my initial reaction was like this is pete carroll's last last year um because i thought maybe he would just straight up retire i think he's just gonna die on the sideline honestly um (laughs) and i think that as long as he wants to be the head coach of the seattle seahawks he'll be the head coach of the seattle seahawks um, but yeah, I think if, if their season tracks the way I think it will, I think it's GM John Snyder's last year, Mitch and Brady, Brady actually to say Super Bowl 49 was eight years ago, eight years ago. Sorry. Yeah. My math was wrong. Even worse. Even worse. Yeah. So it's worse. Yeah. So if they, if the season goes the way that you think it is, it'll be nine years since they've played in an NFC championship game or, or been to the Super Bowl. And in those eight years, you've had two divisional opponents play in what four NFC championship games since you've yeah, been in it. Cause the Rams played in, they went to the Super Bowl twice. San Francisco has gone three twice no, since no, then. Yeah. I've gone to Super Bowl twice and then they lost one to the Eagles. Yeah. This last year. So, so five. Won. Yeah. Yeah. So, and your team, your team hasn't won a playoff game since wait, did, when Tampa Bay went, did they beat the Niners? No, they beat Green Bay. Um, right. Uh, and your team hasn't. I don't. I don't believe Seattle's won a playoff game since they went to the Super Bowl since since the I, NFC Championship game against Green Bay. Um, let me let me fact check here. There. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They beat they beat Philadelphia when Carson Wentz got hurt and then lost to Green Bay in 2019. So they've won, I think, one playoff game. Since they uh, yeah. went to the Super Bowl, um, but Mitch, if you had to pick one make or break thing that's going to determine how twenty twenty three goes for the Seahawks, what would it be? I think it's got to be the offensive line. When I look at the roster, that's the weakest uh, uh, position group for for me. You know, we talked about it last year. They gave forty six sacks, that tied for second most in the NFL. Um, if they're going to want to go to the you know, be a real playoff contender like I think they can be, they're going to have to cut down that number. I, I think it's possible with, uh, you know, with the development of their two rookie tackles. I mean, shit, I don't think they have to do too much. If they just get that number down to 36 sacks, I think the elite, uh, I feel a lot better uh, for them. I mean, they took 46 sacks and still made the playoffs. So if they take 10 sacks off of that, I feel like they can go a little bit farther. So for me, it's got to be the offensive line. Uh, I'm going to go with Geno Smith slash depth just in general. I think that if Geno Smith to have the year that Mitch wants them to have, Geno Smith needs to throw for 4,000 yards um, and his touchdown to interception ratio needs to be closer to two to one or uh, needs to stay around three to one. Look, that's just kind of where it needs to be um, in terms of like his performance. And he needs to cut, he just needs to cut down on those turnovers because 11 interceptions is still not the best 
um, in terms of quarterback production. Um, not it's still it's still pretty good. It's it's good, but it's not like you want just a little bit more. And if Mitch is right and they cut down on sacks, that should help with that too. Um, and then I'll say depth because again, if if a key person goes down, they're they're screwed. Um, on most positions besides secondary. And so can some of these young guys step in? Can some of these undrafted free agents step in? Can Pete Carroll, you know, be a good head coach and figure out where players need to go and what works best for them? Because if he can't and this depth and depth is what kills them and injuries is what kills them, then yeah, John Schneider is gone. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of run it back to the same thing I said in our Tampa Bay episode, which is the rest of the NFC West. Seattle went four and two last year, um, four and three if you include the playoffs. First off, they have to be better against San Francisco. They they have to. You have to at least split the series against San Francisco if you're going to be competitive. The second thing is you there's no excuse for you not to sweep the Cardinals, and there's no excuse for you not to sweep the Rams. Because yeah, you know, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, great, 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 great. No doubt about that. Rams still have a piecemeal offensive line, a secondary that's lost a lot of players, wide receiver rooms that are are hurting, a tight end room that's hurting, and a running back room that's hurting. You cannot lose a game to the Rams. You just you just can't. This team has to at least go four and two in division. If they do that, I think this team can be a playoff caliber team. But if they don't, if they're anything worse than four and two, they're gonna have to look to start picking up some wins elsewhere. And whether it's okay, can they pull off a win against Cincinnati? Can they get an upset against Baltimore? How do they do against Detroit? How do they do against the Giants? When you start to look at where outside of the division can this team pick up wins? There's a lot of teams that are on a similar caliber with Seattle. And in and in those games, it's going to be tough for the Seahawks, I think, to really, really pull out those wins. So I'm going to say it's how it's the rest of the NFC West. It's how Seattle plays in division that's going to make or break this season for them. Um, if they can get four and two, if they can get better than that. This, this is easily a playoff caliber team, maybe a division champion caliber team. But if they struggle in division, they, it, it could set the marker for how a lot of teams would be able to play against them. So with that being said, that'll wrap up our episode on the Seattle Seahawks. Mitch, I believe we have the LA Chargers next. Oh, Miami. Miami next, sorry. Uh, Miami and then the Chargers? Yep, then the Chargers. Than the Chargers. So we're going to be venturing into the AFC. We're going to be talking about our third AFC um, East team. We're going to be talking about our third AFC West team. We're going to continue our push to the playoffs um, uh, or through playoff teams last year. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on uh, Spotify, on Twitter, on Facebook, on wherever you listen to podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Email us fourthstringsp at gmail.com, F-O-U-R-T-H string S-P at gmail.com. And have a fantastic night, everybody.